Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. I forgot that I've made an agreement with our sound technicians that I'm going to hold the microphone away from my mouth. Uh, but yeah, from worship to prayer and praise to the offering message, Zach, come on, one of our young key leaders. Good Lord. It is my, it is my hope and my prayer, like I said at the beginning of service, that we're going to keep putting vision in front of people because... I don't believe that putting expectations in front of people causes them to stumble. I believe it causes them to rise up. I don't think they'll be crushed by expectations. I think they will meet expectations. Could we be an audacious and expectatious meeting, church? Come on. I know expectations ain't a word like that, but we're going to use it as one. Come on. But uh, tonight, before we go any further, I had the chance to, both of our uh, sound technicians are out. One is down with the flu. Dave, we miss you, big man. You're a legend. And the other one is Ethan. He has a summer off. He's out at camp bringing people to Jesus, young, raise up the youth for Jesus. And he's awesome. Ethan, we love you. We miss you. We look forward to your return. But I had the opportunity, um, and I'm going to call it that because it was an honor to do so. Thank you for letting me serve you in that capacity. But I got to hang out and actually run the sound booth tonight. And uh, there's a lot of churches and a lot of lead pastors that would be like, yo, um, what are you doing back here? Like, get somebody else, you know, who might have some semblance of, you know, they wore a pair of headphones one time, they know sound. Like, that would happen. But here at Takeover Church, if you're too small to serve, you're too small to serve. If you are too big to serve, you are too small to lead. And I know you're probably confused by saying, if you're too small to serve, you're too small to serve. I'm telling you, if you're too small to serve, you are too small to serve. And if you are too big to serve, you are too small to lead, my friends. And it was an honor because I got to sit back there, do something that I rarely ever get to do. And I got to watch all of you be thirsty and hungry and chase after the things of God and worship like there wasn't anybody else in the room but you and Jesus. And it was awesome. Can you make some noise for Jesus? How good was that? Whew. There is another in the fire, but you are worshiping like there wasn't another person in this room. Come on. It's the kind of church I love being a part of. But before we go any further, before we get into canceled, Adrienne, would you come on up here? My beautiful, amazing wife. Can you make some noise for one of our lead pastors, Adrienne? Yes. For some of you, you are probably, probably noticing right now there is a height differential, okay? I'm sensitive about it. Let's not talk about it. I married up in height, in stature, abs, everything of the Lord. She's fantastic. But you took out my praise report, thanking God for my beautiful wife, my incredible weekend with her, and for 32 years of her life. Not cool. People put in a praise report as long as it's appropriate. You say it. The same as mine. Correct. And I don't care. Double praise. <laughs> but tonight, yeah, double praise is good, but I just wanted to get church to sing happy birthday to you because we love you and you're my favorite and you're way cooler than me can you join me in saying happy birthday to adrienne happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy
Happy birthday, dear Adrian. Happy birthday to you. And that's from church, because we love you. Oh my gosh. I know a lot of you young guys in here tonight are going, how did you do it? Allow that to build your faith, okay? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. It makes no sense, but this is grace. Come on. Just saying, let that, let that raise up your expectations a little bit. God is good. Come on. But tonight, dear Lord, but tonight we are continuing our series, Cancel. Somebody say, Cancel. This is so weird holding a microphone right here, but I'm going to try and, and make it through this. It's better for the podcast, so I don't sound like... So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna try this tonight. Um, but yeah, so we are in week five of Cancel, and I get to come off the heels of Dave and Adrian just bringing in such powerful words the last two weeks. Can you make some noise? Give honor where honor was due. That was so good. Oh, my gosh. I never thought I'd see the day where... Not one, but two Bollywood clips were played in church. It's crazy, and uh, my wife excels at everything she does. Um, but it was fantastic. But tonight, if you're taking notes from my note-takers, that I really believe in, in taking notes, guys. I, I really applaud you who take notes. You have a note on your phone. We all have smartphones, except for my father-in-law in the house tonight. But we all have smartphones, and we have a note app on there, and you can get a notebook. I will give you mine if you want it. But take notes. I really believe that there are just things that are accelerant. What's up, Nat? It's good to see you, girl. There are things that are accelerants on your walk of faith, on your journey with Jesus, things that will propel you and push you further, and something practical that you can do is taking notes in church. I tell you what, you're writing it down, you're double-taking it in, it's all good, you go back, you listen to the podcast, it says something different than you thought it did, it's right there. Man, it just takes you further on this journey. Does that sound good? So I want to encourage you. I'm not going to make fun of nobody. I'm not going to shame nobody who doesn't take notes tonight. I'm going to make some dumb heaven joke. But I'm going to tell you, it's an accelerant to your faith. And I believe as you start to take notes, you're going to notice things sticking. And you're going to notice things clicking. And you're going to start walking further with Jesus. Does that sound good? Yeah. Cool. So my note takers tonight, those hardcore people following after Jesus. title of my message is this. Y'all ready? It is graced for the escape. It is graced for the escape. And would you just turn and tell your neighbor tonight that you are graced for the escape? You are graced for the escape. Come on. You are graced for the escape. Oh, man. Y'all ready for the Bible tonight? Do I got any B-I-B-L-E lovers in the house tonight that's ready for the Bible? Come on. All right. We are coming out of 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Rest assured, if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you do have Google. You can find it. But if you somehow, that myths you too, it's going to be on the Sky Bible. Ever say, hi, Sky Bible. All right, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It's a little bite-sized appetizer to get us started. Anybody love appetizers tonight? Come on. Whew. I never order appetizers. We're so frugal. Don't even play. Okay. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 is this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence verse 4 by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that somebody say so that so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped somebody say escaped having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of sinful desire wow all right we're going to pray and we're going to get this thing started jesus 
We just thank you so much for tonight. Father God, we just ask that right now, you would silence all distractions, God. That distractions would fall at your feet right now, God. Anything that's running through our minds, any ideas, any wants, any desires, any needs right now, God. That would dare take away from our affection and dedication and, and, and attention on you, God. I ask that right now they would be dead in their tracks and you would have our complete attention tonight. God, we just thank you so much for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, we already feel you. We know you're here. Two or more gathered. There you are in the midst of us. So mess us up from the floor up because we didn't come interested in leaving the same tonight. We came ready to change. In Jesus' mighty name of faith, Phil Church said, Amen. Amen. Come on. So my title of the message is this, is Graced for the Escape. And it's crazy because as I was praying about how to end this message series, I love, it's weird because I don't usually go two weeks in a row without preaching. And it was awesome to sit and just get poured into and it gave me some extra time to figure out some other stuff going on with church and it's been really good. And over that time, I just kept hearing God say the word escape. I kept hearing the word escape, which is funny. Because if you look at the Bible, you look at the characters, you look at the people, you look at the heart, you look at the heart of the Father, the Spirit, and Jesus the whole entire time, God doesn't run. So when we're talking about escape, wow, that's crazy to me. Grace for the escape. And then I came across this in first or in Second Peter where he says, you are graced for the escape. Escaping all of the sinful desires of this world. And it blew my mind. I was like, this is what we got to talk about. This is what God has to finish off this series called Canceled. If you're new with us tonight, one, I want to say welcome home to you. Can we make some noise for our new people tonight? You might think you're just passing through and checking church out, but I promise you, you're going to feel loved and welcome. We're going to hang out, and I'm going to meet you, and it's going to be a really good time because we believe in church being a really good time. Amen? And so when I was praying about this, it just kept stirring up inside of me the grace for the escape. And, and it canceled is really a commentary on our culture and our world right now where the world and the culture at large and the Internet and all of these things, they want to take what you've done, what your past, what your history has looked like, and they want to put it on full display to shame you, to mock you, for the world to see it because they want to cancel your future. They want to take something that happened in your past and they want to leave it dead in the streets so that you cannot move forward, so that you cannot go on to great things, so that your life cannot be and do all that God has called you to be and do. But with our God, how many of you know our God enables our past to stay right there in our past? When I was thinking about this, I, I know we say it here all the time, and I know you've probably heard it maybe in other church settings or in other messages or podcasts that you listen to. Don't take your past into your future. Have you heard that one? Your past is your past, so leave it there. And these are all great things. These are all incredible things. But the revelation that God gave me earlier this week as I was studying, I was prepping, and I was praying about every single one of you, even you new people tonight. You were prayed for. You were believed for. We believe that you would walk through our doors tonight, that this word would hit you, that this word would impact you, and that tonight you would encounter a God that maybe you haven't before. You encounter Jesus Christ. And as he was saying that to me, I just have this divine revelation that the world wants to take your past and give it power over your future. But God, through Jesus, your past, hear me out, through Jesus, your past actually has the power to stay dead. Amen? 
that through Christ Jesus hanging on the cross for you and me, when we submit our lives, that's past, that's future, and that's present, your past doesn't have the power to move into your future. Instead, your past has the power to stay dead. Your past has the power to stay canceled. Is this not good news to anybody tonight? Does anybody, is there any real Christians in the house tonight that would say, I've done some things in my history that I'm glad cannot follow me into my future? Because my hand's up. I'll put both hands up. I am so beyond grateful. I am so grateful that even up until, what, two years ago, December of this last year, things that go on in my personal life, in my marriage, things like that, I am grateful that there's things that I thought yesterday while hanging out with my in-laws that don't follow me into my future. You're laughing, but that's a very real thing. Because outside of Jesus hanging on a cross, there was a very large and long list of rules and disqualifiers that you and I would stumble over, that we would have to shed blood over, that we would have to repent for, and all of these things. And yet Jesus, he came, he saw you, and he stood in the gap, and he stays in the gap, and he will remain in the gap until he returns to this earth. And he did it so that your past can stay in your past. Amen? And I love it. I love that the world, we're so contrary right now to the world. I don't know if there's been another time. Friends, I was talking about this to somebody the other day. The, the church has always been the nail that refuses to be beaten down. The church is always the nail that will stick up. The church is the nail that will always remain. And I'm not just talking about because the nails that were stuck in Jesus. I'm saying the world since Rome has been trying to put Jesus in his place, put the God of the universe in his place, snuff out the Holy Spirit from the church and from our world, friends. It has always tried to beat us down and to snuff us out, but we are the nail that refuses to give. We refuse to bow. We refuse to go. The church will endure. Somebody asked me the other day, how are we going to endure the culture and the world the same way Jesus did? We just didn't have the internet. So things weren't prevalent, they weren't spoken about, they weren't broadcasted and live streamed everywhere. You didn't have instant access to people's lives who were messing up, who were living in high life, who were winning or losing, whatever they were doing. You didn't have access to it, so it wasn't as loud. But now that we have instant access, it's a little bit loud out there, amen? It's a little bit crazy out there. And so now we live in this world that would rather see your past given, given the power over your future. But our God is the same God who 2,000 plus years ago hung himself on a cross and he canceled your past. It doesn't matter what culture tries to do. It doesn't matter where the world is going. It doesn't matter what this begins to look like. The church is going to endure. The church is going to remain. Jesus still went to the cross. The Holy Spirit is still alive today. The gifts and the powers and all of the promises of God are still alive and active and living and moving and mobile today. Amen? So we will remain and you will endure and you will make it through this. And let me tell you, the darker it gets, the, shiner you're going to, the brighter and shinier you're going to be to an outside dying world who is so desperate in need from a drink from the living water that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Grace for the escape. Lord, silence that cell phone with a lightning strike. Just kidding. Grace for the escape. So if this is what happened, if God in his infinite ability, hear me out, Peter is saying, you have been graced for this escape. 
you. He has done everything in his God-given unlimited ability to come and intersect himself and interject himself into your life, your past, your present, and your history. He's done everything he can in his infinite ability. The same way he spoke the earth into rotation, the same way he hung the stars, the same way he did everything. He's done everything on the inside, everything on the outside, everything he possibly can in his infinite power and ability to change you, to make you look more like his son Jesus, to give you everything to live this life godly and holy and successfully and to move forward. I'm not talking about world monetary success, people. I'm talking about finishing the race and hearing good and faithful servant. I'm saying he's done everything. He went and he put his only son, his son of a lamb's perfect and blameless, spotless Jesus has never failed, has never messed up, who has never sinned, who has never fallen short. He put fully God and fully man Jesus on a cross and shed every ounce of his blood. It's a big graphic for you and for me. And then from there, because he knows you, he knows you more than you know you. If you're a human in here tonight and you're willing to be honest, there's nights that you've stayed up late, that you've spent hating yourself, that you've tried to drown out your issues and the things that you've fallen short in. Before you even knew Jesus, you were making mistakes and you were saying to a bottle, I need to numb this. I need to suppress this. I have things going on inside of me, chaos happening on the inside of me that I need to numb because I can't find a way to put it to rest. And so God, he knows us. And so he dipped down into his bag of tricks and he pulled out something called the Holy Spirit. And the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he hung his son, buried him in a tomb for three days. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he said, now lives in you. You are no longer a slave to fear because the spirit of God is on the inside of you. And then from there, because he knows it's hard for you to trust the voices inside your own head, he says, my sheep know my voice, so he gives you the Holy Spirit so you can pay attention. But there's got to be a way for you to learn his voice. And so he gave you the atlas or the Apple Maps for the younger generation in here tonight. He gave you the roadmap for the church. Does anybody in here actually know what an atlas is? Yeah. Come on, some of us had to get around with those back in the day. Okay? I'm 42, going on 28. So, but he gave us the roadmap for the church, for success in this thing called following after Jesus, called being a Christian, called being a light in the darkness, called being the salt of the earth. He gave us an atlas. He gave us the roadmap. It is called our Bibles. He gave us his word because he knew us. He formed us. And if we could have infinite and amazing and intimate relationship with God in the garden and still listen to a snake, how many of you know it's hard to trust the voices in your own head? And so if we're going to listen to the Spirit, we've got to hear it in the Word, and we've got to make sure what we're hearing is biblical. I feel like I just taught a lot. Wow, that's new for me. Usually it's just a lot of spitting and mumbling, and we get there. But this is what our God does. He has done everything in His God-given ability to grace you and I for the escape. Because our world and our culture, it is full of things in this life that would rather see you dead, unsuccessful, snuffed out, blocked out, and never having a voice in the conversation that's going on around you, never having a hand in moving this world forward, never having the ability to use your gifts in the shine bright for Jesus. They would rather you be canceled, 
have your future dead in its tracks when God was saying, I will make you alive in Christ. It is no longer you that lives, but my spirit that lives through you. Amen. This is our God. Can you make some noise for Jesus? Come on. I got a prop somewhere. There it is. Hey, Zach, can you hand me that guy? I got a mason jar. Some of y'all tonight are like, it's a mason jar in church. How hipster is this guy? Very. Pray for me. I got problems. I got Bible and I got Pinterest app. Two apps on my phone. So if God has done everything in his God-given infinite ability to change us, to give us a roadmap, to give us a spirit. It raised Christ from the dead. If he has done everything in his God-given infinite ability to see you and I live a godly and holy life, if he's done all that, why do you and I as Christians continually and perpetually live a life that looks like this? What do you mean, Matt? Your hand is in a mason jar holding a dryer ball. It don't make no sense. It does. Because often in this life, Look at look how much of my body is outside of this glass. Would, would you say, like, but what, 97% of my body, 97% of my existence, if you will, is outside of this glass? But would you notice as I'm holding on to this here dryer ball? Watch. I can't leave. I can't leave. No matter what I do. As long as I am holding on to this dryer ball, my hand cannot escape this glass enclosure. I wonder tonight, church, how many of us, we are at the end of our ropes, completely hidden in despair, completely upset. We are struggling with suicide. We're struggling with depression. We're struggling with anxiety and worry and doubt. We are going, man. If God truly is who he said he is, if he really did all he said he's done, if the word is true, if the voice that I'm hearing is true, if the church I'm going to is true, if all of these things are true, then why is 97% of myself free while 3% of me is stuck? Why do I live this life with things that I just can't seem to shake? I just can't seem to get out of. My hand is stuck in a glass jar. I'm boxed in by a glass ceiling that was spoken over me by my grandmother, by my grandfather, by my mom, by my dad, by my sister, by my uncle, by my brother, by teachers, by culture. I'm from this place. I'll never amount to this. I'm this kid's kid. I'm never going to go beyond this. This is all I know. I'm trying to run this race for Jesus. I'm trying to be a Christian in 2019, and I feel like it's hard, and I feel like it's suffocating. I feel like I can't move forward because every time I try to take a step forward, I got somebody bringing up my past. Well, I got my back foot stuck in a bear trap. Why is this the Christian life? If he said... I can escape. If he said he's done everything to ensure that I escape, that there is not a grave that can hold this body down, that can hold this young woman down, that can hold this old lady down, that can hold you down, it doesn't matter your age. Sin doesn't discriminate. The enemy doesn't discriminate. 
The enemy doesn't care how old or how young or how long you've been in church. He is coming for you because you have a purpose. If you didn't have a purpose, he wouldn't bother with you. You have a purpose. But part of your purpose is not living in this because he knows if he can keep you holding on to something in your past, he can keep you from moving into your future. He knows that if you could be stuck like this or your foot could be in a bear trap, you're not going anywhere, at least not fast. I mean, friends, we talked about it a couple weeks ago about being dislocated. Can you really box with this on your hand? Can you move as fast as you're supposed to? Can you move and operate and swing and play by the book and play by the rules that God has called you to? Can you really fight like this? If you're called to run this race, can you really run with the teeth of a bear trap firmly wrapped around your tendons and your bone? Because that's sin. Hebrews tells us it is. We are called to shake off the sin that so easily entangles you. But much like I can't get out of this while I'm holding on to this, how many of you know that our God truly did give you every ability in every single way and every single possibility to get out of what is holding you back? That absolute freedom can actually be attained. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about all those things. God already sees you as perfect because he sees you through a blood-covered lens by Jesus. He already sees you perfect. But there is a way that we can live this life and we can proceed forward and we can march down the gates of hell and we can lift up the heads of the weary and we can bring the lost ones home and we can live this life successfully for Jesus. There's actually a way. Because when I speak to this thing that I'm holding on to, how many of you know when I say to this dryer ball, when I say to this pornography, when I say to this adultery, when I say to this thievery, when I say to the murder that's in my heart, when I say to the lying and deception that's in my heart that comes out of my lips, when I say to these actions, when I say to the moments where I say when I look to the left and I look to the right and I take my eyes off Jesus and I'm worried about everything else but my relationship with him, when I speak to the storm, how many of you know when I speak the name of Jesus, it has to fall? How many of you know when you speak to that bear trap around your ankle, it has to loosen? How many of you know when you speak the name of Jesus over whatever it is that you're going through, whatever that has you so easily entangled, that has you unable to escape, when you speak to that 3% area in your life, the name of Jesus, the vice has to open, the voices have to go, and the devil has to flee. Amen? Yo, I'm not preaching to anybody tonight. Because we live in a time that would rather see the 3% Kill the 97% in your life. Own the 97% of your life. And Jesus came to the cross so that 100% of your life could be under the authority and the perfection and the majesty and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? So why do we do it? What can we do? Maybe you're in here tonight and you are so analytical with it that you're like give me something tangible give me a list give me something practical to move on I'm sorry friends there is nothing practical about following Jesus it is the most inconvenient 
We're called to be led by a spirit that confirms what God put in a book through the spirit. We're called to believe that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man. There are some things, God, that we are going to have to take a leap of faith with, that we're just going to have to step out and believe God for, that we're just going to have to walk in his power and his promises for. There are some things about our faith that are going to seem crazy, are going to seem unreal, going to seem daring and bold, and we're going to feel like at the end of the day, we're going to have egg on our face because he didn't come through. He doesn't need, to, need us to defend him. He doesn't need us to walk trepidations with us. He actually needs us to fully get out of the boat and walk on some water towards him and believe him for greater things. That's what he needs. But if you're in here tonight and there's that left side of your brain that just won't shake that thought, maybe you don't have an ounce of artist in you tonight that can see something that's not there and believe for its can, that it can be. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're so analytical. Luckily enough, there's this guy, Peter, in the Bible, we just read from him, and he has the answer for you. Does that sound good? Verses 5 through 11. He said, for this very reason, you all ready? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And with virtue, knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Verse 8, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, that's a huge word tonight, if these qualities are yours. Can we just put the pause real quick? There's a reason Peter says to supplement your faith with these qualities. And that he says, if they are not increasing, you will fail. If you are not increasing, your hand will dip back into that jar that has entangled you and not allowed you to move forward. If they are not increasing, we are called to supplement our faith with these things. That doesn't mean that we add to the Bible. That doesn't mean that we take away or that we bend a knee to the world and to the culture and that we change what God has already said. It doesn't mean that we add to it or take away from it. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying like every good person who goes to the gym knows that if you want the best results, you got to eat healthy. If you want the best results, you got to take some vitamins. If you want the best results, you actually have to listen to your personal trainer and do what he says to do, unlike Pastor Matt here, who doesn't listen to Zach and still has love handles, okay? A little bit of levity. Come on, tell the truth and shame the devil. Those hips don't lie, boy, we know. He says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ineffective and unfruitful. If you are increasing in these things, it will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. Is there anybody in here tonight that would say, you want to be effective for the kingdom of God and you want to see some fruit in your life, amen? So if we keep these things and we supplement our faith with them, amen, we're going to see some branches grow. We're going to see some friends and some sinners come home, amen. We're going to see people far from God experiencing Jesus in and through us, amen. Come on. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Someone who has forgotten that he has been canceled from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for you. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. 
For in, this, there w- for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that not good news? Can we not make the noise for Jesus? Come on. For this very reason, he says, make every effort to supplement your faith. For this very reason, for the sake of your escape, for the escape of all of yourself, being fully complete, lacking nothing, bold and built up without remission of sin. All of these things for you to have the bear trap loosened around your ankles. To have your tendons that were once severed rejoined together. To have the broken areas of your life and your years that were squandered restored. For the years that the locusts have stolen, for have those brought back and to be redeemed and made better. We serve the God who can actually redeem your past. Isn't that incredible? He doesn't just cancel it. He redeems it. He makes much of it. He uses it to reach people who are doing the same thing you were doing. He gives people hope through your past for this very reason. Right here, make every effort to supplement your faith. You ready for this? Supplement your faith with what? Virtue. And then what? Virtue with knowledge. And then what? Self-control. What comes after self-control? Steadfastness. Come on, who needs to be more steadfast tonight? Who needs to have a heart and a spirit that just keeps going, that remains strong, that keeps pushing no matter what comes at you? Come whatever may, you are going to put one foot in front of the other, and you are going to chase God down with everything in you. Amen? Come on. Steadfastness right here. Some of us tonight, God is saying right now that we need to be the right people. We got to get the right people around us. Amen. That we got to start with some right habits. If we're going to be steadfast, we got to get some heavenly habits going on in our life. Amen. Come on. I love this. He says, what comes after steadfastness? I'm lost. Boom, 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 boom. Steadfastness with godliness. Oh, I love that one. If we're going to run this, fa- if we're going to run this race for Jesus, we need to be running the right direction. Amen. How many of you know direction is more important than speed? You ain't got to get there fast. You just got to make sure you're going in the right direction. Amen. God is going to be patient with you. He's been patient with a lot of us tonight. And he just wants to make sure that you and I are going down the right direction. Amen. And so if we're going to be steadfast in our pursuit of him, we got to match that steadfast with godliness. What's godliness? What the Bible says? What Jesus says is best for your life? The whole Bible. We don't just pick and choose. We don't get things confused. We chase after God together. Amen. With community. And so we don't go off what the culture, what the world says. As the world turns, the one who put it into motion is God. He decides what that world is allowed to do. And he decides what is best for your life. Amen. We have got to put him at the head of our purity, of our morality, of our yeses and our noes. We have to match this. If we're going to run, the right direction has got to be matched with godliness. Amen. What does he say after that? Come on. He says, with brotherly affection. Oh, I love this one. I love this one. I love brotherly affection. There's some sisterly affection too, okay? Where my ladies in the place at? All right, come on. Where my single ladies at? Boys, get ready. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Put your hands down. Jeez. Brotherly affection. I love that brotherly affection, it isn't singular and it's not plural in there. It doesn't have the connotation next to it that it's you being brotherly affectionate or me being brotherly affectionate. It says without brotherly affection, if you're going to be steadfast and you're going to be in godliness, you've got to match that with brotherly affection. What does that mean? 
That means when you're going down this road, you're chasing after Jesus with everything you have, when people stumble next to you, yet you've been running alongside, or those people that you see in the far off distance who are out doing their own thing, you got to pump the brakes, kid, and you got to go and get them. You got to go after them. You got to love them right where they are. And you got to say, Come on, man. I serve the God who will lift your weary head, who has better for you. Amen. And likewise, we got to have that brotherly affection around us. If I'm going to be godly, if I'm going to run the race set before me, I got to have the right brothers in my face. I got to have the right sisters alongside me. I got to have people who are going to go, Yo, bro, right now, I don't know if you noticed, but you got off track with Jesus and you stepped onto your old path and your old ways and you got your foot stuck in a bear trap. There's a reason the rest of us are down here and we're spiritually sufficient and we're able to be on our own over here and build up our own faith and store ourselves on and we're able to do this. There's a reason that we are bringing the spirit and the excitement with us to church and you're over here just by yourself. There's a reason we're over here believing God for greater things and you're over here and we're not shaming anybody. We're coming alongside with brotherly affection and we're saying, yo, I see where you're at and I see where you went wrong. Let's get you on the right track. And we're going to start with love, and we're going to say, do you even want to be on the right track? And if you do, I am going to pull you by force. We're going to open up those teeth with the name of Jesus, and we're going to mend those wounds, and we're going to get you walking again. We're going to get you running again. We're going to get you going at the same pace again. Amen? Come on, somebody. Right here. He says this. Brotherly affection, and with love. With love. I think in church today, we get this a little bit confused. Because in 2019, we live in a time and a place where love, love is our definition. Love is how we define it. I'm not saying as Christians. I'm saying as human beings. We live in a time and a place where the world will tell you this is love. Where the culture is screaming this is love. Free love. Don't stress. Be about it. Free love. But God, through Peter right now, he's not saying our world's love. He's saying agape. He's saying a God kind of love, where God allows the definition of love to be made, where he has the only opinion on what love can truly be. Because the love that he's calling you to walk in cannot be matched with what the world is saying is love. It has to be a God kind of love. Because the crazy thing is, the world has this definition of love where they think it's so open. And yet God is saying, no, your version of love, it entangles. The true open and the true freedom of love comes from agape love, comes from a God kind of love that says, no matter what you're doing in your life, I have not abandoned you. I am still pursuing you, and I'm chasing you down with everything I've got. Amen. And Peter is saying, if you will keep these, if you will not be insufficient with these, if you will keep up with supplementing your faith with these qualities, some of us tonight, we need to write this down, and we need to take it home, and we need to bust out an expo marker or our girlfriend's lipstick that she left over from the other day, and you need to write this on your bathroom mirror, and you need to put these things down. You need to put self-control, and you need to put steadfastness, and you need to write these things down and get it in front of you. So that you'll start some heavenly habits in your life to get you going towards the right place. I love this. If you practice these qualities, you will never fail. You will never fail. You will never 
fall. I love that. I love that Peter just gives us a roadmap to success. Obviously, it's easier said than done, and he understands that. So if you're in here tonight and you need something practical, you need something super literal, something that you just know will work. I got a surefire thing for you that will work. That thing that you feel like you can't live without, that you can't shake, that you keep dipping back into the second finances are low, you go back to this. The second the job interview doesn't go right, you go back to this. You're supplementing your feelings when Peter's saying to supplement your faith. As you dip back into this and you grab hold of what used to make you feel good because you're going back to the old path when he's called you to a new way of thinking. He's called you to a higher way of living. He's called you out into the great wonder of God. He's called you to go higher with your standards, some of us. We start going to church and and we think we're going to meet that Christian guy that's just going to set us on track and when our validation cup isn't runneth over from people or from a single guy or do you go to a place that doesn't have any single people in it in this season and you dip back into Tinder and you dip back into all of these apps and you dip back into the social life and this nightlife that has kept you so entangled because there's affection there. But it's only a supplemental affection. It's only a momentary affection. Supplements can be good and they can be bad depending on what you're supplementing it with. Are your supplements going to your faith or are they going to your emotions? Or are they going to your vices? Are they going to build you up in the things of God? Here's the thing. Real practical. Jesus was fully man and fully God. He had a moment of doubt. We see this in the garden. He goes to pray and he drips blood and he's about to go to the cross and he says these words. Father, if there's any other way, pass this cup from me. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. We are, we are a generation of Christians. And I'm not saying, I, I, please hear me when I say this, people. I'm not saying the generation before us ever got this right. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about us, okay? We have got to lead the way. We, as Adrian preached so beautifully last week, we were made for such a time as this. It's our time now. We have to move this church forward, and we have to see people come home to Jesus. Amen? You and I, we have to do that. can't worry about the past. We can only worry about the future. We can only affect the future. We can't affect what has happened. We can only move into the future. Amen? And so when I say this, when I say a generation, I'm not saying to the young people in here tonight, People before us got it right. They didn't. We all have gotten it wrong. We have all fallen short. We have all had things that have marred our generation for mess-ups, okay? It's happened. But we can learn from what they've done. We can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from how they won. And we can learn from how we're winning now. And we can move into the future. But Jesus, he's in there and he says, not my will, but your will be done. We're a generation that loves. We love our faith looking just like this because there's some of us tonight that God wants to cancel some things in our lives, but we love saying, God's your will and my will. Your will and my will. And what Jesus learned in the garden when he said, when he said, not my will, but your will be done,
quick pause real quick. If there's uh, anybody who'd be willing to, babe, can you go? I don't know if she's leaving, but just let her know she's loved and welcomed. If you're in here tonight, Jesus wants us to hear this tonight. It's never just your will, God. It has to be your will, not my will be done. Jesus got really good at this one simple truth of the gospel, the simple truth of the gospel. The thing that Jesus got really good at was Jesus got really good at dying. There's some people's faces right now that if you could see yourself, you would think you just saw like the wildest horror movie of your life. Jesus got really good at living for God by getting really good at dying. I'm not just saying when he went to the cross and experienced a physical death. I'm talking about when there was comfort of being with his parents, but he knew God at 12 years old was calling him to be found in the house of his father, in the house of the Lord, that he dipped out on his family who was called to raise him. And he was found, when they went and tracked him down, he was found in the house of God being about his father's business, he said. I'm not lost. I'm being about my father's business. That when Jesus, as a Jewish man, he knew that there was a Samaritan woman off of Samaria at a well in the middle of the day who would be stoned if she was there in the nighttime or in the morning time because her life consisted of five previous husbands and a sixth living boyfriend. By Jewish law and Jewish order, she would be marred for death and they would call for her to be stoned publicly. And so the safest time for her to go out was in the middle of the day where the water was the hottest and the sun was at its highest. And Jesus, as a Jewish man, knowing that there were some racial confrontations that were going on there, he went to her knowing that there would be certain death. There would be people that wanted to come after him. There are things. We're not being distracted right now, guys. People are doing things. It's okay. And then when Jesus had to go to the cross, when he got, before that even, when he got led out into the desert, it says he was led out there by the Spirit, and then he was tempted by the devil. He wasn't led out there by the devil. He went and he fasted for 40 days because he was led by the Spirit. He didn't want to do it, but it was what God called him to do. It was how the Spirit led him. And when he got on his hands and his knees and he sweated out blood, he died to himself, and he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Amen? So for Christians tonight, if you want to live a life, not just of prosperity, but you want to have a hope and you want to have a future and you want to live in an existence where the things and the vices and the noose around your neck it is not just loosened, but it is gone. You have unadulterated breath flowing through your lungs. You have got perfect eyesight and vision to see a future that God has for you. If you want to live with your chains broken and you want to live as no longer a slave to this world, this culture, your own desires, but you want to live as a son and have a daughter of the Most High God, as a prince or a princess of the Most High King of kings and Lord of lords. If that's you tonight, I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm saying it to you tonight. We got to get real good at dying. Dying to what? Our own thoughts, our own needs our own comfort, our own ideas and notions of what we thought following Jesus would be like, of what we thought living in the world would be like, of what we thought being married would be like, and we thought what living with standards would be like. It's easier to have a significant other 
who's just willy-nilly and able to do whatever they want to do and lives by their feelings and their emotions and their desires, but God's called you to date higher. It's a word for somebody tonight. I don't know why he keeps bringing me back to it. For some of us tonight, we've already experienced a lot of life. For some of us tonight, we're at 97% full of life. And this has to go. This has to drop. If we're going to be and do everything that God's called us to do, this has to go. And for some of us tonight, the area, the 97% that we're the most alive in, is probably the 97% of our life we've already died in. Friends, the simple truth of the gospel is that in Christ Jesus, you are as alive as you are dead. The areas in your life that you have allowed yourself to die to, the needs, the wants, the dreams even, that you've allowed yourself to die to so that there can be a death, because if there's no death, there cannot be a resurrection. That's why they call it being born again. Because something has to die so that something else can live. You got to consecrate. You got to put to death your old way of thinking, your old measure for success, the old measure for your marriage. And you've got to allow God to redeem that thing, raise it back to life, and shape it in His image and His creation underneath the authority of His breath and His Holy Spirit. But preaching to anybody tonight. Tonight, I want us to get the revelation that there has to be a paradigm shift in how we live. Because how we live and how we follow Jesus have got to be synonymous if we are going to do this thing well. If we're going to live unhindered and undaunted. If we're not going to live in fear or trepidation of our past or of the enemy or the gates of hell coming against us. If we're going to live completely unafraid and unhindered and undaunted tonight. Is there anybody in here tonight that wants to live in peace? I feel like there's peace that needs to be in this room tonight. Can I tell you tonight... There's some of us, man, we got some side pieces. The thing about Jesus is that side piece and peace, they don't go together. Because the peace of Christ will never compete with something in your life. The peace of Christ will never compete with him or her. With this or that, where you go, the things you do, the things you don't do, where you get your feelings and validations from, what brings you peace in the natural, Jesus will never compete with. So tonight, as we get ready to stand up and worship one more time, we're just going to dip back into the song for just a moment. Because you need to know tonight, would you guys just stand up? Would you just, get, would you just get uncomfortable in the natural right now? Would you just stand up? You are as alive as you are dead. And you know this to be true. Because the areas in your life that you are most alive in right now, 
are the areas that you have experienced the most death in, death in before, that you have put to rest the most before, the areas in your life that you are experiencing the absolute peak of life right now are the areas that you have buried your old self the deepest. And friends, I want to tell you tonight, there is good news. It's called the gospel of Jesus. Because through Jesus Christ, you are graced for the escape. That noose, it has to die. Those chains, they have to break. That bear trap around your ankle, it has to open up its teeth, and it has to leave when you speak the name of Jesus above it and over it and to it and right at it. Amen? So tonight, as we get ready to sing, we're going to get ready to close. If we could bow our heads and close our eyes, close our eyes right where you're at. There's nobody looking around. This is your moment. The series is done. It won't be the last time we preach on these topics, but this season in church is coming to an end right here. If you're in here and you are underneath the sound of my voice right now, I believe the Holy Spirit in this moment is calling forth to your mind, to your heart. You are recognizing something inside yourself, that 3% that has been holding you back from 100% right now. It is bringing it up to your memory, and he is saying, this is your moment. You can leave here with freedom, or you can leave here in the same bondage you came in with, but the decision is yours. This is a mile marker moment for some of us. This is a liberating moment for some of us. We have pleaded and we have said, God, I just want to live. And he is saying, son, you just got to die. Some of us are saying, God, I want freedom and liberation. He is saying, daughter, you just got to put it to death. If that's you right now, would you just make your way up here? There's no one looking around. There's nobody judging. But if you got something you need to put to death right now, would you just make your way up here? We're not going to get weird. I'm just going to pray over you. As we exercise this in the natural right now, as you take a step forward in faith, I believe you are leaving the bear traps behind in Jesus' name. Name, if that's you, someone's got to go first because somebody will follow. If you got something that you need to put to death right now, would you just make your way up here? We're going to keep our eyes closed. I mean, obviously look as you're walking, but if there's fear, if there's trepidation, if there's been adultery, if there's been broken trust, if there's lying, if there's arrogance, There's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging in this moment. This is a moment of freedom and liberation. I'm not going to ask you what it is. I'm not going to have you say it out loud. I'm not going to allow you right now to give it any more of the time of day. What I want to do is this. Is there any biblical precedence to this? Absolutely not. I just believe right now that God is saying as we step out in the natural, we're going to leave here in the natural and the supernatural unhindered and unashamed. Not being scorned by our past, but being lifted up by our Christ on the cross of Jesus. Amen. So what I want you to do is, while the band just plays right now, and everyone in here is just praying and believing alongside you, what we're going to do is this. I'm going to extend my hand, and in my hand is this jar, and it has this dumb dryer ball in it. And if you would, put your hand in there. Pray to God, not out loud, just right now. 
and you drop this. I believe that it's dead and it's done when you pull your hand out of this jar right now. It may seem silly. It may seem crazy. It may seem like it's not worth it, but I'm telling you right now, there is something in the spirit right now that says if you will step out into the silly, you will live in the supernatural. Amen. Amen. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on, Jesus, God. We just thank you for every single person right now. God, we are around you. We are coming alongside you, and we are dropping this thing. We are leaving it dead where it stands, God. We are leaving it back to hell where it comes from, God. We are leaving it, and we are walking into our future with you, God, right now. It is in the natural, but you're believing for a supernatural breakthrough right now, God. We are believing that you are the head, and you are the author and finisher of our faith right now, God, that we are laying it down, whatever it is, whatever it was, God, it no longer defines us. But as we drop it, we loosen our grip on it. It loosens our grip on us, God, because your name is Jesus, and your name is higher, and your name is greater. And, God, we release it to you right now in Jesus' name. Come on, church. We're not going to give it the time of day, God. It doesn't deserve a moment in this instant. This is you, and this is me, God, right now. We are laying it down. We are letting it go, and we saying, Jesus, you define us. Jesus, you move us forward. Holy Spirit, you have the final authority over our lives, God. We're not going to wander in confusion. But, God, we're going to drop it, and we're going to live not at 97%, not at 85%. We're not going to live at 50% of faith, God. We're going to experience 100% of Jesus, of liberation and freedom, God, that you went to the cross to have. So as we drop it right now, God, we're going to walk out in this moment. If there's anybody else, there's room up here for you. If you got to leave it behind, leave it behind today. If it's got to be dead, leave it dead today. If it's got to be consecrated so that you can move forward, make this your moment. Jesus, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in this moment. Father God, your Holy Spirit is here right now, and you are liberating your people. If there is no pride in this moment, if pride is holding you back, pride dies in this moment. We are here, God, and we are saying we've been with you for 50 years. We've been with you for six months. However long we've been following after you, God, we are laying something down tonight, and we are saying from this moment forward, God, you're going to make much of our lives, and we make much of you. As we live unhindered, God, from this moment, come on, Jesus. Come on, church. Come on, let's just start lifting up a shout of praise all across this room. Let's believe for God to move. Can we just say Jesus? Let's just...